Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Foundation Church. It's good to see everybody here today. Um, We're going to get right into the message. We're in a series called Poke the Bear. Poke the Bear. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about abortion um, here at Foundation Church. Some of you are like, how are you going to make a whole sermon about abortion? You will see. So, um, uh, But don't miss it because our, our culture is talking about these things and we always want to give a measured biblical response, not just react to things. Um, and so if you've been wondering what the church stance is or... or Here's a bigger deal. Not what the church stance is. What's the Bible say about this stuff, right? That's what we're after. Um, We're going to be talking about that next week. This week, we're going to be talking about the LGBTQ movement um, and what the Bible says regarding that. Um, And and if you missed last week, if you're watching online, let me, let me, I, I never do this, but if you missed last week, before you watch this message, go back and watch last week's message. That's how much you need to watch last week's message because it was foundational for the rest of this series. But if you're here today, you missed last week's message, let me give you two messages in one day, really quick, a five minute kind of synopsis. And some of you are like, well, why didn't you preach? it in five minutes last week, Um, but a five-minute synopsis of what last week was all about. And and really, it was this. God's Word's greater than my feelings, right? It's greater than what's popular. It's greater than what is socially acceptable, than what's politically correct. And just because I don't like it and, and don't like what God's Word says doesn't mean I get the chance to not do it or not follow it. Proverbs says this, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Why does it say not to lean on your own understanding? Because your feelings in your heart are deceptive, right? They will deceive you, right? And and the Proverbs says this, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. In Psalms, it talks about there's a path that seems right to man. It feels right, it looks right, it sounds right, but it leads to death. So just because it feels or seems right doesn't mean that it is, and this is why you and I have to let his word lead our lives rather than our feelings, rather than culture, rather than what is popular, but his word's greater than anything else. Last week we talked about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says this, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. It's key there. Useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And we don't like that part. We don't like being told we're wrong. None of us, right? But that's what the Bible does. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5 said this, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. 
Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, right? The Bible's greater than my desires, greater than my feelings, and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So that is kind of what we talked about, plus a lot more, um, more in depth last week. And we've got to understand as we move in today, God's word is greater than my feelings or what is popular or, or, or how I view things, right? And, and this is a touchy, touchy topic. So I'm gonna stick to my notes more than any sermon you're gonna watch me preach in your life. Um, I, I'm gonna be very much into my notes, reading my notes a lot more than I usually do, but here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. I love this church, and our intent today is not to alienate, is not to make you feel unloved, unwanted, because, because hear me, some of us, we're going to disagree today. And if you disagree with what I'm preaching today, here's what I want you to know above everything else, that I as your pastor love you, that we as Foundation Church love you, and we are going to keep loving people that walk through these doors. Everybody's welcome to walk through these doors, but everybody's going to hear the truth preached. Right? So, so that's what I want us all to know. We're all on the same team. Right, we're all on the same team. But going forward, I, I love this church because here's what I love about Foundation Church. Um, I love that you amen, I love that you clap, I love that you hoop and holler, and sometimes some of you are brave enough to say, let the big dog eat, right? And, and we do things. Um, but because this, this topic is so hypersensitive, I'm gonna ask us not to clap anymore, right? You didn't do anything wrong. Thank, I, I preach better when you amen and clap me. So this may be the worst message I preach, but, um, and it's all your fault, but I just want to make sure nobody feels isolated or targeted today. So I'm going to ask us as a church, you may feel it today, hold it in, right? Hold it in so that we make sure that truth is being communicated in love. Here's what Ephesians chapter four, verse 14 through 15 says this. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. There's a lot of new teaching going on right now. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's a lot of things that sound like the truth, right, that, that, that resemble the truth, but it's not truth. Instead, we will speak the truth, here it is, in love growing in every way more and more, not like Justin, but like Christ, who is the head of his body, <clears throat> the church. And here's what I want you to understand. My job today is to speak the truth in love. Because the truth on its own is harsh and love on its own is sloppy. And my job is, is not to speak my opinion not to speak what is popular or politically correct, but I will be speaking to you today on what the Bible has to say about this topic. And, and I really hope, here's my goal, is that if you're tuning in today or you're here today, that you would hear and listen to the whole message, not just a snapshot of it. Listen to the whole message, 
not just a snapshot of it. So why are we addressing this topic? All right, let's talk. Is it just for shock? Is it to be controversial? No. Here's why we are addressing the topic of the LGBTQ community. Because everywhere you turn, whether it's what you are watching, listening, or doing, the LGBTQ agenda is there and is being pushed on you, on your children, and on your family. It's in our schools, our jobs, it's in our churches, and right now most TV shows I've watched and almost every movie I have gone to has some sort of agenda being pushed behind it related to the LGBTQ movement. In fact, I mean, even recently it is being pushed in children's movies, and everyone is speaking up and out about it except for the church. Churches are allowed to speak up as long as they are encouraging and endorsing the LGBT uh, movement, but what if you don't agree with the LGBTQ movement? What then? And what is happening is our churches and pastors are sitting and being quiet and timid instead of being loving, first off, right? Instead of telling the truth and love, instead of being loving, bold, and courageous. And our kids are being told what they should believe and why it is okay, but the church is being silent on what the Bible actually says about it and what the Bible says is okay. And here's the problem. Today, here's here's the big thing. That if I come out and I talk about this, all of a sudden, if I don't agree with the LGBTQ movement, I am labeled a hater and a bigot. And we've gotten to the place on both sides where if you don't agree with me on this, then you are that. Intolerance has changed its meaning, and people don't want to stand up and say, hey, here's what the Bible actually says, because they're afraid of being misinterpreted and misunderstood or labeled intolerant or labeled a hater or a bigot. And I love what Rick Warren said. He says the problem is that tolerant has changed its meaning. It used to mean I may disagree with you completely, but I will treat you with respect. Today, tolerant means you must approve of everything I do. And there's a difference between tolerance and approval. Jesus accepted everyone no matter who they were, but he doesn't approve of everything I do or you do or anybody else does either. You can be accepting without approving. And so before we go any further here today, hear me. We may not approve of you, Right? This may not be a proving message, but understand, we can still love you. And, and, and so as we dive in, here's when, when we kind of dive in, here's what a big pushback is when pastors talk about homosexuality, the LGBTQ movement, is that we say this. Well, Justin, when the Bible was written in Paul, which we're going to be using Romans and 1 Corinthians, when, when, when you're using these scriptures, the the problem or the, I wouldn't say problem, the issue of homosexuality and the LGBTQ movement wasn't prevalent in Paul's days. And to that, that couldn't be more false. Um, If you study the Greek uh, culture and the Roman culture back in his day, most historians, a majority of most historians believed that there was as much, if not more, of a homosexual culture in those cultures, in the Greek and Roman culture while Paul was alive. In fact, it is believed that most of the 15 first Roman emperors were believed to be bisexual at least. So to say that this wasn't an issue 
or that Paul didn't understand what he was writing simply isn't true. So here's what I want us to understand today. It's our first point, and it's this. We must have a biblical view instead of a prevalent view. As followers of Christ, you and I are called to have a biblical view instead of a prevalent view. A biblical view on this topic instead of what is common, accepted, or popular. So if that's going to happen then, then what does the Bible say? Our text is going to be found in Romans chapter 1, and we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians 6. And here's what I want us to understand about Romans today. We're going to stay in the book of Romans a ton. Because in the first chapter of Romans, you understand the target audience of who Paul's talking to. And it's huge. As you read the rest of Romans, you understand what Paul is addressing and including in it. And it says this, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11 says this, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? There's this key part of it. It says, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed and you were made holy and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what is the Bible saying here today? What, what's it saying even in our culture right now? The Bible is saying that homosexuality, along with the gamut of other sins, right? It, it, it lists idolatry, it lists greed, it lists, it lists hate, it lists, lists stealing, it lists being a, a drunk, being abusive, or cheating people. And here's the crazy thing is that we can talk about all those things really easy today, but homosexuality is the one we don't want to talk about. Why? Because we know people. We have friends, we have family who are, are, are in this community and in this culture, and it's being it's really hard to come out and just preach the Bible on this, right? And here's what the Bible is saying when it comes to all these things, but also homosexuality, is that it is a sin. And I get it. This is hard to hear because we know people. We love people who struggle 
with this. And it feels harsh and it feels mean. And the prevalent, common, and popular thing within our culture and even in some of our churches is to call it something else than sin. But here's what I want us to check out about Scripture. A few things real quick about these, this passage real quick. First thing is this. The Bible says in Romans, don't fool yourself. I mean in 1 Corinthians, don't fool yourself. And in Romans, it says that the people traded the truth about God for a lie. How many of you guys remember um, like the kindergarten examination, medical examination that you had to go to, um, and, and they would ask you, they would take kind of all your pulses and see, made sure you had 10 fingers and two ears and um, could place you correctly. And I remember, I remember going to my kindergarten placement and going through like the little physical, and maybe that was just me. Maybe nobody else did that, and you're like, man, you were a weird one. Um, but I remember going, and I had gone through like the hearing test, the eye test, and um, all these different things, and I came to this, this sweet old lady, and she goes, okay, Justin, how many fingers do you have? I have 10 fingers. It's good. How many eyes do you have? I have two eyes. How many mouths do you have? I have one mouth. How many nose do you have? I have one big one. Um, how, many, how many ears do you have? I have two ears, right? right? And she came to this part where she said, and now how many toes do you have? And I go, I don't have any toes. And she looked at me and she goes, what, what, what do you mean you don't have any toes? And I go, I don't have any toes, right? I'm this little bit boy. I'm like, I don't have any toes. And she goes, well, what do you call these? I go, those are my pigs. <laughs> Right, this piggy went to market. All of us remember that, right? And this piggy went all the way home. I mean, those weren't my toes. Those were my pigs. And here's this, what, just because I called them my, my, just because I called my toes my pigs didn't make them my toes, right? They were still my toes, even though I called it something else. And listen to this, and this is hard. You can try to call homosexuality something else in sin, but if you're a follower of Christ, which means you follow God's word, the Bible calls it sin, and it doesn't matter what you and I call it. Second thing is this. The Bible never speaks of homosexuality in a condoning or positive way. doesn't. Like nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the LGBTQ community in a condoning, positive way. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it clearly describes it as a sin. So for us to say that it's okay or to approve of it, hear me, it, it, it's not that it's just wrong, it's that it's not biblical. It's actually anti-biblical. It goes against what the Bible actually says. The third thing is this, if we're gonna say homosexuality is no worse than any other sin, and hear me, that's the truth. There's no grade of sin today, right? Homosexuality is listed with adultery and greed and, and drunkenness and abusiveness. And if we're going to say homosexuality is no worse than other sins, then we can't treat it different than other sins. There's a whole list of sins that's laid out in 1 Corinthians 6. And we can't say homosexuality is worse than greed or adultery, but if this is the case, then we can't keep staying the same way and saying this is just who I am. And that's where the push comes, because I've heard this argument all the time. Well, Jesus didn't condemn the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And you're right. You're absolutely right. He forgave her. He didn't humiliate her or condemn her, but read the whole story. He also told her, now go and sin no more. And just as we would say it's not okay for an adulterer to keep committing adultery or an abusive person to keep abusing people, we can't keep practicing and doing what we understand isn't right and is a sin. 
And here's the push. Well, I'm not going to let a man or a pastor change the way I live and love. And hear me, you shouldn't. But you better allow God's word to because it shows us what's true and right. Romans chapter 6. Remember the context where Paul is talking. Romans chapter 1. And this is the context for the rest of the book. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, and then 15 through 16. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Right? Like Paul's going, absolutely, of course, you know this. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, right? We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? And you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And Paul is writing to the Roman culture, and God's plan, according to the Bible, isn't that any of us would be a slave to sin by continuing to live in sin, but to move on to righteous living. And we'll hit on that more in just a moment. Well then, Justin, what about the transgender community? You've talked about homosexuality, but what about the transgender community? And it's been a lot on the headlines, right? That, that the transgender community is um, now participating in women's sports and men's sports, and it, 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 it's, it's very prevalent in our community. And here's what I want you to understand is that God is not confused on who he created and designed you to be. God is not confused on who he created and designed you and me to be. We're in a society now that part of our culture refuses to identify and define what a woman is. Like, like, come on, let's think of that. We're in a culture that part of our culture doesn't even want to define what a woman is, and here's why, because it gives clear and definitive boundaries. And what is happening is that our culture and society is trying to blur the lines and try to make, and is trying to make everything confusing and blurry. Um, I wear contacts. And if I did not have my contacts, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't read anything. My glasses are like that thick. They make my eyes look like they're crossed, right? Um, I can't see anything. So when I go to the optometrist and they take my contacts out, I'm bumping into stuff when they make me walk into the other. I'm like, I know they're doing this on purpose, right? I'm like, they just want to see how much stuff I'll run into and bump into. And here's the deal. I, everything's blurry. I can hardly see things. I hate the whole thing. Is, is option A better or option B better? Is option, what do you think, Doc? Just give me some contacts and let's make this thing happen, right? And, and here's the deal. When they put the new contacts in, it brings clarity and focus, and I can see like I'm supposed to. And can I tell you, this is what God's word does in every area of our life, but especially this one. And some of us have our vision blurred so much when it comes to this that we aren't seeing correctly and we're just living in a blur. And part of our culture and society wants to keep blurring the line so that it becomes more difficult and more confusing about who God created and designed you to be. But here's what, once again, what does the Bible say? Not Justin, what does the Bible say? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male 
and female he created them. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10, but God made them male and female. This isn't just an Old Testament thing because what's happening now is people want to dismiss the Old Testament completely. It's still God's word, right? He made them male and female. Jesus' own words from the beginning of creation. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Once again, Jesus speaking not just on the identity and design of who God has created you to be, but also talking about the sanctity of marriage. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus is talking about God made man and woman for one another, and there's no confusion in it. Paul also writes in the New Testament that God is not a God of confusion. He's talking about service, like the order of service, but can I tell you, he's still not a God of confusion in any part of our life. He is all about order, and this world wants to confuse, blur, and frustrate, but hear me, God made us men and women, male and female, and I really think this, for the most part, we know this, right? We, we, we know the truth on this. So really, let's not try to excuse or try to blur the lines on this, but let's stand on what we know to be true. Like it says in 1 Timothy 3, we know this is true. So let's not allow others to blur the lines on this. And what I've noticed is this. We keep having to talk ourselves into what we know isn't true. And we keep trying to convince not just ourselves, but those around us, that this myth is actually truth, that this lie is actually true. And here's the problem. If you keep telling yourself and you keep surrounding yourself with people who keep telling you myths and lies for long enough, it's not that it becomes true, but you fall for the myth and the lie. And just as Romans said, they traded the myth, um, the truth for God, for a lie, for a myth. They started chasing things that sounded like the truth but just wasn't true. So don't fool yourselves on this. So, so what do we do? What's, 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 what's the answer? What's the solution? First off, church, can I tell you, and this isn't in my notes, so this is a little dangerous. We got to love. We got to love and we got to speak truth in that order. We've got to love others and speak truth in that order. Because if you really love someone, you will speak the truth to them. Understand this. It makes no difference what you were before you're saved, but it is crucial what you become after salvation. Hear me. This is true for every single one of us here. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you were and what you did before you came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But once you get saved, and once you experience salvation, it's crucial what you become after. I hear a ton of people say this, well, I was born this way. And here's what I would say. All of us were born with a sinful nature. All of us were born with a nature that wasn't about following God, but about following our urges and temptations. Romans chapter 3. Remember the context of Romans, right? Romans chapter 3, 23. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. But Justin, I wouldn't call this a sin. That's just how I am. But as we've already discussed, it doesn't matter what I call it and what you call it. What does God call it? And what does the Bible call it? And in fact, John speaks on this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, here's the amazing part about Jesus. 
If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. The NIV says all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Hear me, it doesn't matter what you were before, whether you were a cheat, an adulterer, an abuser, a drunkard, a drug addict, greedy, angry, but it does matter what you become after. And there's a major, major difference, hear me, between struggling and surrendering. Between struggling with sin and there's a massive chasm. Well, this is just who I am. No, 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 that's just who you've settled in being. All of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us have a sinful nature. All of us have a lean. And there's a massive difference between you surrendering to a lifestyle and struggling with it. And if you're struggling with sin, welcome to the club. Right? But if you've surrendered to it, hear me, you aren't living under grace anymore but deception. Because grace isn't a hall pass to keep sinning, but grace is a gateway to righteousness. Romans chapter 8. Remember the context of Rome. Romans. Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, being Spirit-led instead of self-led. Growing equals changing, right? This is a, a, that's an easy way of saying sanctification. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So here's the last thing I want you to know for our message today. Point number four, the goal about following Jesus is about changing, not embracing. The goal about following Jesus is about changing to become more like him, not into a clone, not into Justin Graves, to become more like Christ, which is righteousness, which is holiness, right? And not embracing your sin in yourself. John MacArthur, out of his commentary, said this. Churches who in the name of love defend homosexuality and condone homosexual ministers and marriages and congregations not only pervert God's standards of morality, but encourage their members in sin. And encouragement in sin has no part in love. True, I love this, true love of others is not doing for them what they want, but doing for them what God wants. 1 John 5, Verses two through three, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandment. And he ended this, he says, condoning sin is never an act of love, either for God or for those whose sins we condone. Romans 12, verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Remember the context of how Paul is writing this. Don't, don't copy. Don't, don't behave according to what the world endorses and what is politically correct and what the world is saying is okay. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And here's what I would tell you. If you don't change the way you think, it's going to be really hard to change the way you are. If you don't let the Spirit of the Lord, if you don't let the Holy Spirit change the way you think, it's going to be really hard to change the way you are. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Stop living your life according to the behavior and customs of this world and start living your life according to his word and his will for your life. And hear me, because his will will never contradict his word. His will will never contradict his word. I close with this. I know, I know this is a tough, tough message if you are on the other side of this. And this is a tough truth to speak. I think we all know that. And there's a reason a lot of preachers aren't preaching this because they're probably scared and they don't want to hurt anybody. But hear me, my job, if I'm loving you like I'm supposed to love you and lead you, it's to speak the truth in love. The other day when um, Chloe had a, a Halloween party, some of you are like, oh, they do Halloween at the Graves house. We do Halloween at the Graves house. Um, and she had a Halloween party and um, some of the kids all got together and I'm, they were kind of getting bored, and I was like, hey, let's go play Bigger and Better. And they're like, what's Bigger and Better? I'm like, you've never played Bigger and Better. And they're like, no. And so I go, go find something that's worthless in the house, and we're going to break up in teams, and I'm going to release you into the neighborhoods, and you're going to see if you can trade up for something better. What will you give me for this? And so Chloe's team started with this little plastic broken pirate pistol, right? Um, and, and they went to a house at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, and they're like, hey, what would you give me? We're playing bigger and better. What would you give me for this? And they started getting trades back and forth, right? And, and they started keep going, and I gave them an hour to go, and they're just running through the neighborhood in every house. Hey, what would you give me for this? Some of them, nothing, but most of them would play along. Most of the adults would play along. I'll give you this. I'll give you this. And so they started with this broken little plastic, old broken pirate pistol, and they ended up with this homemade, not homemade, this homemade home golf pitching set that you set up over there and you have a mat over here and you start pitching and I'm like what you got that for a plastic pirate gun are you kidding me and she's like I know and, and with competition they ended up winning and I was like man that's crazy all you did was keep exchanging what you had for bigger and better and can I tell you man that's how God works that's how he works and if you will bring your life to him because hear me, I know we've been talking about one specific sin, but today it's about all, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And today if you're here and you keep trying to do it on your own, can I tell you, if you will just bring your broken life to the heavenly Father, if you'll bring it to him, according to first, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. If you'll bring it to him today, here's what will happen. He'll give you something better. He'll give you a better life than you were living in the first place, and he will enable you to live a bigger life than you could have ever lived on your own. So today it's not about you becoming a better you. Today it's about you becoming more like him. It's not about you becoming a better you. It's about you becoming more like him. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, that means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person an old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I pray today for open hearts and open minds. And that we would be biblical followers of you. Lord, this is a trend that keeps going away more and more. And we get further and further away from your word. And Lord, I pray today that we will cling to your word. 
Because, man, it's a roadmap to the way we're called to live life. And that as followers of Christ, we wouldn't just yield to you in some areas of our life, but we would yield to you in all areas of our life. The parts we like and the parts we don't like. The parts that are easy for us and the parts that challenge us today. And so today, for those of us that are here, maybe we've been on one side of this that's just not biblical. We've been on... been thinking different and understanding it different. Lord, I pray today that we would understand this isn't about an agenda. This is about your word. And I pray that your word we would hide in our heart today that we would not sin against you, that we wouldn't get on the wrong side of this. But your word makes us better and enables us to live a bigger life that's more like you. So God, don't let us lean on our own understanding today. Don't let us go and lean after what looks right. That's the path that looks right, but in the end, it leads to death. Let us clearly understand what your word says and let us understand there's a better way for us to live. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, if you're here, you say, Justin, I'm here today. Maybe you're watching online today. You say, I'm in this place, and where I'm at, nowhere. Man, it's nowhere where I should be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, maybe you showed up today for baptism. Maybe you showed up because you've been seeing this church, and you thought you'd check this church out today. And and you showed up, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can I tell you, this is your bigger and better moment right now. For some of you, you've been struggling with things. Some of you, you've been surrendering to things and your surrender has been hidden from everybody else. Just because you can hide it well doesn't mean that that surrender is okay. And you would be here today and you say, man, where I'm at isn't where I should be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And today I need to recommit my life to him. I'm gonna count to three. And today, if that's you, I just want to invite you to a bigger and better way to live your life. If that's you, don't miss this moment. One, two, Three, is there anyone here today? You just raise your hand and say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. Say, man, where I'm at isn't where I should be. And you join these two hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else? I got you. Is there anyone else today? You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further. Yep, I got you. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. And I want to join these four hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? You say, Justin, this is just me. If you raise your hand, whether you're here or maybe you're watching online, I would just invite you to repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned. I confess that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it and I turn to you and I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give these four individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause? We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.